This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and this is the Sunday Roundup. This Wednesday, we'll see the Chancellor's second budget of the year. As always, the contents are hotly anticipated, but Rishi Sunak was reluctant to give much away this morning. It has been reported that the new Health Security Agency is sounding out local authorities about implementing the government's Plan B for trying to control the coronavirus over winter. Andrew Ma asked Sunak if Plan B meant a return to a scenario like the one experienced this time last year. No one's in complete control of what's going to happen to the the pandemic. And at the moment, infections, I think, in Britain are higher than in the rest of Europe put together. Hospitalizations are going up and sadly deaths are going up as well. It may well be that we do need more restrictions. So can I ask you, is it time for Plan B? Well, the Prime Minister actually just just said that we're looking at the data all the time, as you would expect us to. We're monitoring everything. But at the moment, the data does not suggest that we should be immediately moving to Plan B. But of course, we will keep an eye on that. And the plans are ready. We outline them way beforehand to make sure people knew what, what possible options would be for the winter, which we said would be challenging. Those have been set out. But again, I go back to what I said. The best protection we have against all of those things is vaccines and the booster rollout. So when people are asked, please do go and get your booster jab. And we're making some making it easier, for example, for parents to take their kids to get uh, jabs over half term at walk-in centres. Those are the types of things that we're doing to help as well. These things, however, can spiral very, very fast indeed. And I ask you again, if necessary, if you did have to bring in restrictions, would that come with a Well, the restrictions or the plan B that you're talking about don't involve significant economic restrictions. I'm talking about plan C. I'm talking about after that. Well, well, you know, I think that's jumping ahead a bit, Andrew. Of course, we should always be humble in the face of this virus. I think that's obvious, given what we've experienced. But as I say, we have confidence in the vaccines. We've modelled all the scenarios and, and we've always said the winter will be challenging. And the plan B that we set out does not involve the same type of very significant economic restrictions that we saw previously, so that uh, it won't be necessary. Trevor Phillips began his interview with Sunak by discussing the government's plans for levelling up transport networks in cities outside London, which involve a little less extra spending than at first appears. You've already announced that there's going to be a £7 billion for uh, new transport projects outside London. Can you confirm that just £1.5 of that money hasn't been announced previously? So the transport money that we announced is a combination of two things. One, we previously announced an overall envelope to improve how people get around our big cities. We wanted our cities, whether that's in the West Midlands or in the in Teesside or Greater Manchester, to have the same type of transport settlements that London's always enjoyed, where locally elected mayors can take a pot of money and decide how best to spend it to help all their residents. And we previously announced £4.2 billion for that. What we've actually done is top that up, as you said, by a billion and a half pounds, but then crucially give out the allocations for in that envelope, where are all the bits going to go? So it's going to create trams over here, bus links over here, road improvements over there. So whether you're in West Yorkshire, West Midlands, Greater Manchester, Teesside, local residents are going to see improvements over the next few years as their leaders are given the same type of power and funding that London has always enjoyed. So it's a great example of levelling up in practice, and it's ultimately just going to create growth in all of these places. 
Phillips also challenged Sunak on his aspirations to see taxes cut. He presented the Chancellor with data from the Institute for Fiscal Studies, which shows the UK's tax burden nearing its highest level since the 1950s. It's reported that this week the former Prime Minister David Cameron told uh, Mr Johnson that at least in my day we cut taxes. You are not doing that at all. You're presiding over the highest tax burden since post-war period and we can uh, have another look at this. The IFS says that um, you're still pretty high, 35%. That's not the low tax conservatism that the Prime Minister promised and you yourself said you stand for. Yes, and, and of course I do stand for that, and that's what I would want to deliver, and that's where my instincts are. But you also have to take a step back, Trevor, and think, well, what have I and the government had to grapple with over the past year, year and a half? We've had the biggest economic shock that we've experienced in 300 years. We've had the need, rightly, to come and support the country through that, which has obviously been enormously costly. It drove our borrowing up to levels we haven't seen since World War II, just on the other side of that uh, chart. Uh, and we've got a strong ambition to invest in public services and drive up our growth by investing in infrastructure, innovation and skills, all the things that we've talked about earlier. So those are the things I'm grappling with. And, I, and I've got to take the world as it comes. I, you know, I wish I hadn't had to deal with coronavirus in a once-in-300-year economic shock and all the damage that has done to our economy uh, and an NHS backlog that was stretching into the millions that we thought it was really important, rightly, to get some funding in to address. So, but those are the challenges that I'm grappling with, and I have to take those challenges and figure out, well, what's the right way to do that? And we've made some decisions, uh, which I believe, although they are difficult, are the right decisions, they're the responsible decisions, and ultimately will deliver on the things that people want to see us deliver on and indeed build that strong economy for the future, which is going to drive growth and raise our living standards. Ma also spoke to the Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves and sought Labour's perspective on if and when the government should implement Covid Plan B. I just wanted to put you something that the chief scientific advisor, you say follow the science, Patrick Valence says, which is very, very interesting and well put. He says, you have to go earlier than you think you want to, and you have to go harder than you think you want to. Isn't he right? And isn't it time, therefore, to just say, plan B, it's time has come? I agree with Patrick Valence, and the government's dither and delay is risk storing up problems so for you, the future. You agree with bringing in plan B now? Well, we've always said that we should have masks on public places. So, look, I think that we should introduce those things that the scientists say, but we shouldn't take our eye off the importance of Plan A. And I do worry that it's sort of like Plan A or Plan B. You've got to have Plan A work, and we mustn't let the government off the hook there. There are millions of people who are eligible for the booster vaccine who haven't even had a letter uh, inviting them to an appointment yet. So that, yeah. that wall that was supposed to be our protection, the, the vaccine, is in some places beginning to crumble. Plan B and those measures like mask wearing, which we should be doing, and then also things like statutory sick pay and ventilation, especially into the winter months when more people will be inside, those are crucial as well. And as Patrick Vallance says, if we don't do these things, the risk is that the virus gets out of control again sure. and that we have to introduce even more stringent measures, which, frankly, nobody wants. It would be a disaster. Phillips asked Reeves about the government's various announcements in the run-up to Budget Day. Reeves said that she felt the government's talk was cheap. What we see from this government is lots of announcements and much less delivery. 
Northern powerhouse rail that would benefit Leeds and Bradford and Manchester and other towns and cities across Yorkshire was first announced seven years ago. It's been announced 60 times since then and there's still not a single spade in the ground or train on the rails. It's not good enough and the government are going to make more announcements this week. But we're sick of in the north having announcements without the delivery on the ground and we want to see concrete action to match the rhetoric of this government. That's really important for all of us in the north of England. Reeves was similarly unimpressed with the government's latest plans for investing in early years education and the creation of family hubs. Would you give a, a tick at least to the 500 million for early years education, which is a thing I know from your parliamentary career that you care about quite a lot? Well, I just would say to the Chancellor, have you ever heard of Sure Start? Because that is what your governments over the last 11 years have cut. And it's all well and good saying we're going to invest in these family parks. But thousands of children's centres and sure start centres that were proud features of our communities, especially some of our poorest communities, have long gone. And Tessa Jowell and Harriet Harman and Yvette Cooper and others in previous Labour governments who made those happen, I think there's a real feeling that if you hadn't have taken all that away, imagine what difference it could have made to the lives of young people and to their parents. And this pale imitation, which doesn't even take us back to where we were in 2010, I think is an insult to all those people who created investment and made Sure Start happen in the first place. And it was a, such a proud achievement of the last Labour government. And it really was an act of criminality to rip that all up, only to now, 11 years later, create a pale imitation of it. And finally, Dr Catherine Henderson, the president of the Royal College of Emergency Medicine, told Phillips that the NHS had seen better days as the winter months approach. We're already, already struggling to cope. It's, this is not something that's coming in the next you know, couple of months. We're already in a terrible place where we have got large queues of ambulances with vulnerable people waiting in those ambulances to be offloaded into departments and other patients at home waiting to be picked up by the ambulance. That's the thing that really worries me, that these are patients who've not yet received treatment, that we don't necessarily know what's wrong with them, that we're really struggling to get into our healthcare facilities to then work out what we need to do. That's the real worry from my point of view, and we're already in that situation. That's all for this week. I'm Cindy Yu and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoy this podcast, do subscribe to our daily evening blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash evening blend. Thanks for listening and join us again next week.